Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. This is season four, episode one. We're reading the book Delight. I've been doing this on Facebook Live and also recording it so I can share it with our Next Step Podcast audience. This first episode covers the introduction and chapter one of Delight, Discipleship as the Adventure of Loving and Being Loved, and it's read by me, the author, Justin Rosso. We started out with some technical difficulties, and so the introduction material got cut out. The volume was set at like 5,000%. I wished my sister happy birthday. Yesterday was her birthday, and my son's 10th birthday was the day before, and my uncle's birthday was the day before that. My daughter Kate also celebrated a birthday this last week. So if you've got someone special in your life that you're wishing a happy birthday or happy anniversary to, if you email me at justin at findmynextstep.org, I'd be glad to include a birthday or anniversary or baptism birthday congratulations in one of our daily readings. I'm reading five days a week, Monday through Friday, beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live in the Next Step Community Facebook group. I hope to see you there. But for now, let's check out the introduction in chapter one of Delight. Uh, So the plan is to follow the reading plan in this Delight book together. I thought that'd be kind of a fun thing to do. You get to hear me read it. Uh, I'll post a link to get the book on Amazon if you like. You can follow Justin Rosso's author page on Amazon.com as well and see all the new books that that come out. So the first reading plan actually uh, starts after the introduction. Section 1 reading plan is on page 7, but I'm going to go ahead and read at least a part of the introduction because it's an important to the book as a whole. Welcome. So glad you're with us tonight. And uh, let's go ahead and get going and uh, see how far we can get in an hour or less. This is the introduction, and the introduction is called An Image of Mutual Delight. Over the last couple of years, an image of mutual delight has repeatedly captivated my heart and mind. You know the mutual delight I'm talking about or something like it. You might experience it in a moment of peace in the company of dear friends. You would recognize it in the eyes of two lovers as they first discover they're in love. But I think you can see this image of mutual delight most clearly in that moment when a darling child rushes into their parents' arms. In my imagination, that child is older than an infant, but still small enough to be picked up easily. The parent could be mom or dad or even a grandparent, cousin or friend. The important thing is the moment when the little boy or girl runs into a trusted embrace and mom or dad lifts them up and twirls them around and brings that darling child still dangling face to face. And I don't know if mom made a funny noise or dad tickled a little bit as a part of the hug. But the delight of the moment makes the child giggle. That giggle makes mom laugh. The laugh makes the little boy squeal. And so those two go on and on and on for longer than you would think reasonable, simply enjoying enjoying each other. You know what that's like. Mutual delight. That experience of loving and being loved of shared joy, joy in another person's joy, that image of a mom or dad beaming into the face of a smiling child until both are rolling in the grass laughing. That image of mutual delight 
has changed how I view my relationship with God. Of course, following Jesus can be hard. Of course, following Jesus can be confusing and difficult, and it can end badly. Ask any of the original twelve. Only one got to die peacefully of old age. Of course, the call to follow Jesus is a call to pick up your cross, to lose your life, to bear a new and different kind of yoke. But this same Jesus also promised that losing your life was the only way to find it. That by joining in his death already now, you join in his resurrection life already now. That his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Following Jesus is not supposed to be a weight to carry that drains the fun out of life. Following Jesus means being so full of new life that you can experience joy even in the midst of difficulty. And that joy, the joy of knowing Jesus, flows directly from Jesus' joy of knowing you. Time and time again, the scriptures paint for us a picture of a God who absolutely delights in people, a God who not only knows them and a God who not only loves them and saves them, but enjoys them and wants to spend quality time with them. The God Jesus knows and reveals as Father is the God of relationship, who delights in specific individuals and throws parties in heaven because of what you just did last week. Of course, following Jesus means coming to grips with your failures, with your sin, with your shame. Of course, discipleship entails repentance and molding and refining. Of course, dying to your sinful self daily isn't a lot of fun. An old traditional confession of sin starts, I, a poor, miserable sinner. Repentance is an essential part of discipleship. Another old traditional confession also expresses to God the reason I want to be forgiven, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. Right next to repentance, delight is an equally essential part of discipleship. You cannot be a consistent, faithful follower the way Jesus intends without the key ingredient of delight. Now watch it. To say you have to have delight can become just as much a burden as saying you have to repent, when in both cases Jesus intends for you to receive these habits of following as a gift, not a burden. The Holy Spirit works repentance in you as a gift to lead you into a deeper and more intimate relationship with God in Jesus Christ. But what I really want to get at in the rest of this book is this. The Holy Spirit works delight in you as a gift to lead you into a deeper and more intimate relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Now that I can see both repentance and delight as gifts, it seems strange to look back at my experience of church and church people. Almost all the church people I have ever known would point to the need for repentance in the life of a believer but few and far between were the individuals who knew one of the secrets of the kingdom. Delight is an essential part of your faith journey. Of course, you might not use the word delight very much. 
you might prefer a different vocabulary word. But whatever you call it, I mean that moment when the little boy runs laughing into his mother's arms and she picks him up and brings him close and each can't get enough, enough of the other's joy. I call that loving and being loved. Mutual delight. Jesus invites you into that kind of mutual delight. Jesus invites you into that kind of mutual delight in his relationship with you. Maybe that invitation feels more like a challenge to you way up here at the beginning of a book on discipleship as delight. Or maybe it makes your heart beat a little faster and awakens a longing deep in your soul. Or maybe you have no idea how to think about mutual delight with God. All of those reactions are valid. Although I never heard discipleship described by anyone as uh, the adventure of loving and being loved. I'm not trying to roll out a new doctrine. I'm convinced that the scriptures themselves invite us to see our relationship with God, perhaps even primarily, as an interaction of mutual delight. Whether you are confused, excited, or skeptical about that claim, I invite you to take this journey with me. I want to show you what I have seen in scripture and share with you what the Holy Spirit has been shaping in me and perhaps will shape in you, too. There is such freedom in loving and being loved, in living not under the burden of religious practice, but in the confidence of God's delight that I can hardly tell you how much a difference delight has made in my own personal life. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. And then there's a couple more pages that lay out a roadmap of the whole book. I'll leave that part of the int introduction off for today. So, you know, I just, uh, that was the introduction to, that was the introduction to delight. And I, uh, I just got back from visiting with my mom and dad. Talk about a delightful trip. It's one of those uh, experiences where, you know, I, I had to get on and off a plane like four different times because they each had technical difficulties. And so they kept giving us like 25 more dollars in free vouchers. And so eventually I only had to pay like 11 bucks to fly down uh, to Florida to see my mom and dad. But I had to fly like before November 1st. So I hate to leave Michigan in October. It's a beautiful month in Michigan. But I got to spend uh, seven kind of cloudy and rather rainy and sometimes muggy, but mostly really wonderful days with my mom and dad down in Florida. Uh, so that that was a wonderful, wonderful time. And my mom's reading this delight book too. So what, what a special time for her to be able to read it and then talk to me about it. And we just shared a lot of insights and it was a wonderful, you know, really faith building experience for me too, to spend time with just my mom and dad. Boy, I'm glad to be home, but glad to be home with my kids and, and my wife and my family here. Uh, but a special time away. So as we do these over the next, uh, well, eight weeks, really, we'll, we'll go through the whole book and we'll end up before Thanksgiving. And I just wanted to kind of break there to, to let you see what was going on. So this section one, the architecture of delight, here's the reading plan I told you about on page seven, and we're going to follow this. So today's day one, and we just read the intro, but we're also going to read setting the stage uh, and the joyful delight. That's what, what's on the docket for today. As long as we don't run out of time, if we get to about an hour, then maybe we'll pick up the rest of the chapter one tomorrow as well. And then we'll read these chapters. There are also group discussions in this book, and uh, 
that'd be cool. Maybe you've got someone listening along and you want to have some of those discussions with or maybe post something on the, the Next Step Community Facebook page or in our Facebook group. We'd love to hear from you. If there's a special someone in your life that you want to wish a happy birthday to, like I got to today, to my sister and my son and my uncle, uh, be, be glad to wish a happy birthday to somebody live on Facebook during one of the readings as well. Just uh, post that on our Facebook page or send me e an email, justin at findmynextstep.org. We'd love to celebrate your anniversary or your birthday of someone special in your life. Okay, well, it's already 20 after 8, so let's see how much more of day one's reading we can get done. Setting the stage and then chapter of delight. So I know we had intro and now we're setting the stage, uh, but, but here we go. Setting the stage, page 8. God delights in the people God created, redeemed, and continues to sustain. And God loves it when those people feel the same way about their creator, redeemer, and sustainer. That mutual delight is one of the central themes of Scripture, a theme that can get drowned out by other ways of telling the story. So how do we get a biblical understanding of delight? The introduction already gave us one way to try and get a handle on our relationship with God through the lens of delight, a kind of definition by image. That moment when a little boy runs laughing into his mother's arms and she picks him up and brings him close and they each can't get enough of the other's joy. Whatever vocabulary word you would use to describe that scene, that's what I mean by delight. You could probably come up with a group of synonyms or a, or a word cloud of related vocabulary that gets at the mutual delight of loving and being loved. You could put delight in the center and then surround it with words like rejoice, joy, exult, enjoy, or jump for joy. You might even include words like pleasing, pleasurable, delightful, desirable, enjoyable, or fun. Your word cloud might look a little different than mine, but I bet we would find significant overlap. The scriptures work a bit like that as well. Getting a handle on a biblical concept of delight is not as simple as doing a word search in your favorite translation. It's not even as simple as doing a word search in Hebrew followed by a word search in Greek. The vast library of books and genres we call the Bible, written across widely divergent times, languages, and cultures by very different personalities in very unique styles, the Bible has its own word cloud when it comes to the concept of delight. I want to spend some time with that word cloud in these opening chapters. If, you're a re real, if you are a real vocabulary geek, I love that about you, you will find enough Greek and Hebrew in this section to geek out about, though you may wish I had been a little more thorough or a little more nuanced in some places. If you are not the English major type, I love that about you, you will find a, enough big-picture concepts to make these short chapters worthwhile, though you may wish I had been a little less thorough or less nuanced in some places. Regardless of your personal preference for the material, I want you to see that the biblical word cloud for delight, at least as far as we will explore it, which is both way too far and not nearly far enough, the biblical word cloud for delight is slightly different from our own. Words like pleasure or desire don't necessarily fit easily into my concept of delight, or at least they carry connotations that feel very unreligious. And my idea of delight seems to be primarily focused on my emotions, 
though I do have room for enjoying experiences that are mental or physical. In contrast, the biblical concept of delight seems to be much more focused on the whole person, body, soul, mind, will, and emotions all wrapped up together in one. I guess that shouldn't surprise me. I remember learning at a young age Luther's explanation to the first section of the Apostles' Creed. I believe God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, my eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them. I think delight in the Bible is an eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses kind of concept. And that gets me really excited. So we're going to look at some Hebrew and some Greek in what follows, but mostly as a way of tracking and describing how, in God's economy, the whole person is the domain of delight. Again, these first chapters have a different character than the rest of the book. If you want to skip ahead and maybe use this section as a reference later, that's okay with me. Getting at how the concept of delight gets built out across Scripture will help us explore mutual delight in our relationship with God. But the most important thing is simply this. God loves you and delights in you in visceral, emotional, intellectual, and playful ways. And God invites you to experience your relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit already now in ways that are visceral, emotional, intellectual, and playful all at the same time. Chapter 1. Joyful delight. Things that make you go, woohoo! The biblical concept of delight doesn't involve merely emotions. Biblical delight involves the whole person. But just because delight involves the whole person doesn't mean emotions aren't important. Your emotions are a very important part of your whole person. So, as you might expect, joy is right at the center of the Bible's word cloud of delight. One of my favorite Bible verses for delight comes from Zephaniah 3.17. Here's the way one common translation, the New International Version, or NIV, puts it. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight. The Hebrew word there is sus. He will take great delight, sus, in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That's Zephaniah 3.17. I love that image. In fact, I love it so much, it will show up again in chapter 7. God's delight in you is so overwhelming that this mighty warrior finds himself singing for joy. His is a multifaceted emotional response that gets expressed in very physical ways. The vocabulary of delight in this single verse is rich and complex, and gets rather complicated. The primary word translated here as delight is the Hebrew word sus. You pronounce it like Dr. Seuss. Seuss often, if not always, gets translated as delight. It's a Hebrew word that means exalt, rejoice, take delight in, make mirth, or be glad. But notice that when we're dealing with great delight in this context, we're actually getting a Hebraic buy one, get one free deal where you double down on vocabulary words to express the strength of a concept. In the original form formulation, the mighty warrior is delighting with great delight, which I suppose is about the same thing as taking great delight. 
look at how another translation, the English Standard Version, or ESV, translates the same verse. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Take great delight in you, the NIV, has become rejoice over you with gladness in the ESV. They're functionally equivalent, and looking at these two different translations together helps get at why we don't want to define the biblical concept of delight too narrowly. There's a lot going on here. The ESV, while losing the word delight, picks up on the fact that there are actually two different vocabulary words for delight used in this one buy one, get one free construction. Rejoice, Seuss, take delight in, Dr. Seuss, with gladness, simka, joy or gladness, like simcard, but with the German ach at the end, just backwards. Ha, simka, joy, gladness, mirth, or delight. That two-for-one deal is one reason I think that type of delight is especially connected to an emotion of joy. Delighting and rejoicing is happening in express connection with gladness and joy. We're talking about an emotional experience of delight. In fact, the emotion is so strong, it is accompanied by a physical response. It seems like I should say those two Hebrew words again, right? Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll pick them up as we go, but when you go and read it yourself, you can kind of go back. So let me just go back again. Those two Hebrew words were sus and simcha, or, or something like that. The emotion is so strong, it is accompanied by a physical response. Here we have another Hebraism. When two actions are parallel in Hebrew poetry, they're usually either antonyms or synonyms. The text is either helping you understand the topic by giving you its exact opposite or antonym, or its dynamic equivalent, a synonym. It's as if the Hebrew poets made the meanings of their words rhyme rather than just the sounds of their words. Thanks to Conrad Gemp for that insight. In Zephaniah 3.17, we have the phrase take great delight in you in parallel in a parallel construction with rejoice or exult over you with loud singing those two ideas are either in stark contrast to each other or the author is emphasizing their similarities their meanings rhyme here it seems obvious to me that delight is supposed to be understood as a rough equivalent of exulting with loud singing while this second rejoice exult vocabulary word rarely gets translated as delight in English, it does fit the broader word cloud of delight as it relates to the concept of joy. This joy in particular is a jump up and spin around brand of joy. The Hebrew word gil, sounds like feel, can actually be used for any strong emotion that makes you jump up and spin around. Uh, fear, for example. But here it is clearly a positive emotional response. That's gil. Rejoice or tremble, exult, spin around because of a violent emotion. The variety of delight expressed in Zephaniah 3.17 is a joyful delight, an emotional response so strong that even a mighty warrior has to jump up and spin around and start singing. That is what God thinks of you. When you show up for worship, Jesus is, Jesus is like, Woohoo! My friends are here, Dad! We get to spend some time with my favorite people in the world! High five! 
when you make the effort in your busy schedule to, to read scripture, the Holy Spirit is all, Woohoo! I get to spend some time with people I love. Isn't that awesome? When you confess your sins, when you share your doubts in prayer, when you bring your burden to your and your anxieties and your fears to your Heavenly Father, that mighty warrior sets aside his heavy helmet, still hot from combat, and picks you up in his muscular embrace, and with a voice capable of calling angel armies to battle, quiets you with his love, and takes great delight in you, and croons a love song over you that begins with the joyful refrain, Woohoo! My darling, beloved, delightful child is in my arms again. Your father gets all emotional thinking about you. You make Jesus jump for joy. The Spirit's delight in you is perhaps best expressed in song. And the scriptures taken as a whole, seem to think that God intends the feeling to be mutual. In the epic love song to the Word of God we know as Psalm 119, our Seuss, joyful delight word, shows up not in reference to how God feels about spending time with you, but to describe how you might feel as you get to spend time with God. The psalmist sings, In the way of your testimonies I delight, Seuss, as much as in all riches. That's Psalm 119.14 in the ESV. In other words, knowing God's way is like winning the lottery, or at least like the feeling you get when you win the lottery, or the feeling you get when you are offered the job you really wanted, or when you have your bid accepted on the house of your dreams, or when your crush says yes to a date. You jump up and spin around in joy, and you start singing and laughing. The psalmist says, Knowing your way, God, your testimonies, commands, blessings, promises, when I know from your word what you are up to in my life, it's like striking it rich. I seuss in your way as much as I would in all riches. Net worth of the rich, world's richest person, $154 billion. Knowing Jesus, priceless. And the immense value of that relationship is supposed to bring us joy. Real Woohoo! Jump up in the air and spin around, hug total strangers and laugh through your tears while you do a little jig and start singing at the top of your lungs kind of joy. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as in all riches. When was the last time you imagined knowing God's way as something that would make you jump for joy? When did you last approach scripture as if it might make you start dancing? How often do your emotions spill over into song as you get to know and follow Jesus just a little more closely? You know, I sometimes think Christians have gotten a bit of a bum rap. Uh, by and large, I think others see us as a kind of people who don't have any fun, or at least people who don't want anyone else to have fun we end up being characterized as those who always follow rules intended to take the joy out of living. 
the people who dare not smile too loudly in church, who never relax, never joke, never join in the fun. And while there may be some good reasons not to join in the so-called fun the world around us is having, I think we do the gospel a disservice when we present ourselves as serious people who are mostly about serious things and want everyone to stop doing anything that might end up leading to an emotional experience of joy. Jesus had a reputation for hanging out with sinners and was accused of eating and drinking a little too much and partying a little too hearty for the religious folks. I'm not saying Jesus ever did drink too much. I'm just saying he was at those kind of parties often enough that the label of glutton and drunkard was thrown around, even if in hyperbole. I think faith in Jesus should make you smile more often. I think you're supposed to break into a spiritual jig on occasion. I think Jesus intends for you to experience more Woohoo! In your discipleship walk. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying following Jesus is supposed to be sunshine and daisies all the time. But even when the road is difficult or dark, I think Jesus intends you to receive the gift of joyful delight in your relationship with him. One reason I say this is because of what Jesus himself says in a pretty dark and difficult part of the story. Jesus and his closest followers are in that upper room on the night he was betrayed. It's Maundy Thursday evening, the part of the story that leads directly to struggle and arrest in the garden, trial and torture under Pilate and Herod, and the terrible agony of crucifixion. Jesus gets up from the table, and because he knows where he is from and where he is going, he wraps a towel around his waist and shows his closest friends the full extent of his love by personally and humbly washing each of their feet. He teaches on service and love and vine and branches. Then Jesus says something that I think should change our preconceived notion of what it means to follow him. Of course, Jesus gives the command to love and serve in line with his own love and service. That's why we call it Maundy, or Command, Thursday. But the reason he gives the command in the first place is a real doozy. I've told you these things, Jesus says, and he's talking about his command to love one another. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Did you hear that? <laughs> joy. The New Testament Greek word the Bible uses for joy in this scene is kara, like caress, but with an ah, kara. And it means joy or delight. This, this joy word is directly related to the New Testament word for grace, caris, like caress, but with an is, caris. We're talking about real joy, kara, joy, joyful delight, gladness as a result of grace. 
On that Monday, Thursday night in the upper room, Judas is getting ready to go and meet with the soldiers he will bring to Jesus' private place of prayer. Jesus is about to enter into a prayerful wrestling with the Father that will leave him so distressed he sweats blood. Next on the agenda is beating and mocking and abandonment and death, and Jesus wants to share his joy. If we hadn't already been using Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday for so long, we could have opted for Kara Thursday and Karis Friday because the reason for the service and the self-denial and the love of neighbor, the reason for the garden and the cross and the empty tomb, the ultimate goal of lives lived out in the gracious kingdom of the crucified and risen Son is quite simply joy. Joyful delight is not about trying to turn your frown upside down. Joyful delight is not a way of whitewashing tombs so that the awful reality of this sinful world seems to stink a little less. Joyful delight is a powerful, emotional response to God's action in Jesus, even in the midst of the difficult and painful and confusing and hard. Joyful delight means jumping for joy even when you can't get up out of your wheelchair. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus sees you. Hmm, let me say that again. Jesus sees you and jumps for joy, spins around, shouts, Woohoo! and sings his happy song. Jesus invites you to imagine what it would be like to experience life with him in that same kind of joyful delight. What about Jesus has brought you this week? You might want to tell him that. You might even want to sing him your happy song. I know he'd love it. And that is the end of chapter 1 on joyful delight. We'll pick up tomorrow with chapter two, thoughtful delight. Hey, thanks for joining us. Let me see uh, if there are any questions here on the side. Great. Yeah, hey, Sherry. Absolutely. I, I love that you can hear my voice inside your head when, when you're reading. I think that's a wonderful thing. Ellie, hello from down under. So good to have you here. Well, it's so good to, to be with you guys, and we got done in under an hour, which is great. That kind of 30 to 45 minutes is will be what we're shooting for, and I'll never go more than an hour. But it gives us a chance to kind of read this together, and, and uh, perhaps you could post something as long as we've got just a couple minutes left. The, the questions for this section actually come after Chapter 5. Remember, those first five chapters are opening and shorter, and the, the discussion comes after that whole first section, the first five chapters. But I know the questions ask things like, where, what are some examples of joyful delight or thoughtful delight or delicious delight in your life? So if you've got a thought on that, if you've got a joyful delight and experience that makes you jump up and spin around and sing woohoo and do a little jig, if you've got one of those, I'd love to see that in the comments as well. And if you've got someone to wish a birthday or, or happy anniversary to or happy baptism birthday, we'd love to do that as well. 
If you haven't got your own book yet, you can find a link in the description. I'll put it there as soon as we're done. And uh, if you haven't checked out what it means to be a Next Step patron, we'd invite you to $3 a month, $9 a month, uh, $50 a month, $100 a month, whatever seems like a good support you would like to give to the mission and ministry of, of helping resource this kind of delighting in taking a small next step following Jesus. We'd welcome to, you to partner with us in that way. Hey, it's been fun learning how this all works. I think I had an event scheduled and, and that didn't happen because I did this instead and I have no idea how this is working or not. But uh, it's good to be here with you and we'll learn a little bit as we go. We're just uh, trying to take a small next step because that's what we do. Uh, I'd like to close in a brief word of prayer. Thanks for joining us tonight. Jesus, thank you that you rejoice in us. Father, thank you that, that you sing a song of victory and joy over us. Spirit, thank you uh, that, that you are present with us and work in us that kind of response. The, the joy that Jesus had on Monday, Thursday, will you please make that joy complete in us? As we love each other, as we seek to know you and, and to follow you, Jesus, will you please make your joy complete in us by the power of your spirit at work in us? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good night, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another 35 or 45 minutes of reading from Delight. We'll talk to you soon. Good night.